Welcome back to the Two Months Podcast presented by Manscaped. We have Trevor Ruptash, Rupper. How's it going? Check it out. Manscaped logo behind you. Yeah. Yeah. The new sponsors on board, Manscaped. Shout out to them for believing in us and, you know, giving us a little sponsorship. We got uh, some products that just came in the mail, I guess, today that you're going to be dropping off and I'm going to be trimming up, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We got Clay Vanderham. Vandy, how's it going? Vandy is dandy. Uh, just busy week grinding. And, and Fiddler mentioned he was grinding. Work's been pretty busy this week. So it's a good thing, but where's my guy? Yeah. And we have a special guest joining us tonight. Now we got Vernon Fiddler from the Kelowna Rockets. Fids, how's it going? Good, guys. Good to be back. Yeah. No, it's good awesome to have you back, back in the mix. How are things Third timer. Yeah, how many, how many times Chimera been on? Just twice. Yeah, yep. you're you're the third. Stay above him. Like, <laughs> it shouldn't to... be too hard. Yeah, no, exactly. So I guess how things been, Fids? With uh, since last time we talked to you um, in the new year, how are things going with you and the family? Good. Uh, not much has changed here. We're still lucky to have the academy and you know the kids in school and skating every day with uh, my son with the Bantam team there in uh, Penticton and um, skating a few junior kids here that uh, they're wait- waiting for a, a season. Hopefully, hopefully that'll get going here in the next month or so. So just trying to help them out and keep them in shape and uh, keep myself sane. Uh, it's a long day if you don't have a little bit of hockey involved. And then now with the hockey on, there's, you know, some, some interesting evenings watching and betting on a few games with some buddies and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's been nice to have hockey on again. So a little bit of hockey in, in my life again, which makes me happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so with the kids you're skating that you, that you have there in Kelowna, are some of them from prospects of other NHL teams and junior teams that you're kind of just looking after? Or is it your own kids in your own program there? No, it's actually, uh, it's, it's basically a bunch of Western hockey league guys. They've, uh, they, they trained just down the street here from me, uh, in Kelowna and, um, they work out in the mornings and then at 10 30, they go on the ice for an hour and 15 minutes. The government's allowed those junior kids to kind of be exempt from, you know, the adult hockey because some of them are, you know, 20 years old. So we got, you know, we got kids from the oil Kings. We got, uh, some Spokane chiefs, uh, my nephews out here skating from Calgary Hitman, um, you know, we're keeping everything safe, keeping everybody away from each other, which they want, but just trying to get them back in shape that, and, and get them ready for if this WHL season starts. <clears throat> yeah. Have you guys heard anything lately on when that would be starting up or is it still kind of, yeah, like they ready? haven't uh, really confirmed a date with us yet. So, but we are here in rumblings the last couple nights that, um, you know, the, the government has, the provincial government's helped out Alberta and Saskatchewan. So it looks like those kids are going to probably be a little bit ahead of us in BC, which makes absolutely no sense because there's nothing going on in Alberta right now. And we have rinks and hockey academies open, but, um, it's, uh, it's all up to our, our government, Bonnie Henry. And, um, it looks like we're going to get something. It's just whether it's going to be in February, March or March, April or April, May. So yeah, we're hopeful and we hope we can get these kids 25 games to get the, the scouts to out, the, out to see them and you know, hopefully get them 
you know, looked at and drafted uh, this upcoming, who knows, summer, fall, whenever they're going to have the draft. Yeah, like Fern, like or you even said, like at least your guys are on the ice. Like, what, what is that? Just academies that are open? Yeah. So, um, the the minor hockey is open too, but they're 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 not you're not allowed to have any contact. So it's just flow drills. It's you know skills and drills, uh, conditioning. But they are allowed to be on the ice. You're not allowed to get ready in the in the dressing rooms or nothing. Like it's all dress and drive stuff like that. Um, which you know you got to do what you got to do. But even for my nephew in Alberta, like you know he came here and quarantined for 7 days before he could get on the ice made sure that uh you know he was tested and everything before he went out with the boys which they they're uh making mandatory and he came out here and it's like we we really like life's going on for us like restaurants are open malls are open um schools are still open and from what i hear in alberta it's nothing like that so it's um from province to province it just doesn't make sense but yeah, I don't make the rules. So I'm, I'm just grateful that we're at least here. My son's on the ice every day. Like they drive up on the bus together. They go to school together. They're on the ice for an hour and a half together in the gym. Like it just, it just doesn't, uh, you know, the same Academy in Edmonton, uh, OHA Edmonton is, it's shut down. Like they're doing a lot of stuff, uh, you know, on zooms and stuff like that. But you know, for me, it just, it, do, it just doesn't make sense. You got, now you got the NHL back up and running and it's, you know, kind of a dagger in these guys' chest that the, the NHLers get to play, but you know, none of these young kids in minor hockey or junior are playing. So, um, I would give my left nut to have kids back on the ice here. Oh, like your, literally your, your trim left nut. Yes. My, my trimmed left nut by manscaped quick plug there um yeah i it, it's crazy the the how things are going and you know um my heart goes out to you know a lot of kids here and you know a lot of adults and just everybody because like you said it's just so different from province to province and i mean i read the you know i don't want to get to dabble in covid too much but you know i i i watch i watch all those things their little pressers that they do from you know it starts in nova scotia and it works its way down and i watch them all and i just i can't even believe that that this is not governed by one big thing right like it's from bc to alberta to nova scotia and i understand everybody all the places got their different cases and different numbers and you know but it, it's just it's complete and utter chaos right now and we voted these people in and they're going to get a lot of these people. They don't even know they're getting voted out as soon as we can vote. As soon as an election comes up, gone. This is, yeah, this isn't a provincial thing. But anyway, without getting political, uh, Hockey Alberta actually put out a statement uh, either yesterday. Yeah, yesterday or Monday. And they're given the deadline of February 1st what I believe is to call the season. So it's going to get called. There's yeah, how, how can you, you can, we got four H- days. Hinshaw till. comes out. Hinshaw comes out and goes a little while longer. Imagine if your mom came into your room and you were punching one out. How long are you going to be son? Just a little while longer, ma. <laughs> what kind of, what kind of answer is that? That's insanity. My mom would have smacked me in the face. Especially if you've already cranked it earlier in the morning. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Listen, my kid says it. that to me when he's on. Yeah, yeah, just a little while longer when he's playing PS4 or whatever. Oh, yeah. It drives me bananas. Anyway. Yeah. So talk about your nephew, uh, Fids. Uh, we uh, we didn't talk about him before when, you had it, when we had you on, but uh, talk about him as a player. What kind of player is he? Um, and how much of a mentor? Obviously, you're probably helping him out quite a bit throughout his career as much as you can, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It's been fun because he's always, he's been around the rink since, you know, he was just a young kid. Like, and we got pictures of him with, you know, all the guys throughout uh, my career. We're always catching a picture with different guys and, you know, to see him evolve into a, to a young adult, he's really turned into quite a kid and um, very proud of him. He's uh, he works his ass off. He, 
he, you know, he came here to skate with us and he's, you know, he, he works out, he, he skates with us for an hour and 15 minutes. And then he, you know, he kind of awkwardly comes to me and says, Hey, uncle, can I come up to the house and have a workout and ride your Peloton? And it's like, you know, how much, how much do you want to do here, man? And he just, everything, <laughs> everything he puts, anything he puts his mind to is like a hundred percent, which, um, you know, I, I, I'm really proud of that because I see, I coach a lot of these young guys and they don't want to get on the bike. They don't like, they, they want to, they, they'll do everything on the ice they can, but it's the off ice things. And, and, you know, I see a lot of myself in him. It's the stuff that you're willing to do that other guys aren't. That's why I think he's going to make it. He's, um, as a player, he's, uh, he's a lot like me. He's a, you know, a bit of a, uh, a grinder, really good shot. He can score goals. He, he scored a lot of goals in Bantam and Midget. And then in, in his first year in uh, Dalby, he did okay. He's uh, so his second year, he had a little bit of injuries with his uh, pubic pelvic bone bone. And uh, he had some groin issue, issues, but he came back and I think he had like seven or eight goals in, in, in a short season. So you know, he's, he's kind of coming into his own. I've talked to a few scouts about him and that's what they say. Like I talked to a St. Louis scout at Tim Hortons the other day and he goes, man, I really liked your nephew. Like, I think he's really going to come on and, and hopefully get drafted this year. So uh, I'm not worried about the work ethic side of him. I'm more honestly worried about him wearing himself out, but he's a kid that's just going to do anything, uh, anything for his team to win. He's going to do anything for himself to make it. And you know, I hope that he can follow in my footsteps. He's, uh, he's turned out to be a really good young kid. And for those who are wondering who we're talking about, that's your nephew, Riley Fiddler Schultz. He's got the hyphenated last one. So yeah, that's who we're talking about. Place for the Calgary Hitman. Pretty cool story. He called me when he made it as a 16-year-old to the dub. He called me and he goes, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a kind of a quiet kid, but when, when, I'm, when I'm around him, he's not. And uh, he said, uh, hey, uncle, I was just, I was just wondering if, if, if I could wear your number in junior. And I said, yeah. I'm like, why would you want to wear a 38? Like, that's like a terrible number. Right. And he's like, no, you wore a number 21 in junior. So I'd like to wear number 21 for the hip. And I'm like, man, that that's great. Like, you know, that made you proud. You got the same last name on your jersey and you know, watching him out there. It just reminds you of the great times that you had in junior. So I'm pretty proud of him. He's turned into a good kid. Is this his draft year? Yeah, this will be his draft year coming up. He, um, he, uh, you know, obviously it's been tough for him mentally. Uh, you know, he, he put on about 15 pounds this summer. So he put in the work this summer ready for, you know, a big season. They, they've told him that, uh, he's going to be, you know, sharing a lot more responsibility as a, you know, second, third line center with Calgary. So he's really excited. And then all this bullshit happened and, you know, we're just hoping that uh, we can get 25 games in here for him so he can showcase himself. Yeah. Oh, exactly. We're, we're uh, where was the Peloton when we were growing up? Yeah. Like I get why he wants to jump on the Peloton. Have you seen some of those trainers freaking burn a hole in your retinas for Christ's sakes? Just like, came. good God, I'd be pedaling. I'd be pedaling like a son of a bitch on that thing every day, boys. I'm like, I'm like, <gasps> I'm like dating the girl, the, the instructor. Like, <laughs> you get on there. Saying, I've never even seen it. Like, can you swipe right and stuff? Is that like a, like a. Well, yeah, she's got like, uh, she's got, they got like the, the, the instructors got like, you know, 400 different classes each and they all wear these different outfits every day. So you just, you can't wait to get on there. Right. Like usually fat retired hockey, hockey you know, player. I, I'm like, last thing I want to do is get on a bike, but I bought that thing and definitely helped me keep the pounds off. Hey, hey babe, why are you combing your hair to ride the bike? <laughs> she can't see you. <laughs> that's awesome yeah they you even... give me a shout out on my birthday though oh nice that's oh, fiddlesticks i uh, might my, my my username's fiddlesticks she goes oh i do want to wish uh fiddlesticks a happy birthday and i was like oh <laughs> all off the bike you did, did, did three k you did three k in like 12 seconds after that yeah exactly you're ready to lace the skates back up and go dump and chase again <laughs> So talk about coaching in the dub. Uh, we ha- when we had John, obviously another thing just to catch up on some things that we didn't hit on before. But uh, you know, your first year coaching last year, right in the dub, and and how was that for you? Uh, you know what? It was awesome. Um, love the kids. You know, love the every day. You know, there's it's problem solving every day. There's constantly something going on, so you keep you keep fresh and you keep on your toes. And you know, being a father, you're 
you're you're a huge mentor to these kids, and especially for me, I I I I rode the path that they they want to go on. So I had uh, you know a lot of guys you know reaching out to me for extra stuff and not only coaching them on the ice and doing stuff on the ice with them, but I found a lot of it was, you know, they, they need to be, they need someone to talk to. And, um, you know, for me, my life experience is a lot of the, the same for them. They, there's some guys that weren't drafted. There's some guys that are drafted that are a little bit scared and, you know, they're worried that, you know, that maybe they're not good enough and they're doubting themselves. So I found that the relationships I built with these kids, um, was, you know, like when the season got, got called it was just like devastating because you think of all of these kids as your own and you know even when we we sent these kids off and they're you know texting hey coach can I stop by to say goodbye like it was it was really tough to let these kids leave and you know you wish you had answers for them or you know you could have helped them another two months in our playoff push and you know just when just when things were getting exciting we were hosting a memorial cup and um you know it, it was just devastating but Overall, it was great. Uh, you know, I had a nice cushy job with the Stars as player development. And, um, you know, when I retired, I needed something to really push me. And I wanted something that, that I could go after and, and find a new challenge and career in my life. And, and that's what I decided I wanted to do. I wanted to be a coach. So, you know, Bruce Hamilton, who I played for four years in Kelowna, gave me the opportunity to come back. And um, I loved every minute about it. There's, on, on, there's nothing that I've had that that when I was playing, you get that fire in your belly, like on the bench, like, you know, a six on five, when you're calling a play or you've worked on a play for two weeks in, in practice and all of a sudden it comes into action and you score, like there was, there's nothing inside you that just injects your body with full of adrenaline and you're laying in bed at home when, you know, you get home and you're like, fuck, I was wondering if that was ever going to work or did it, did it make us look bad? But then at the same time, there's stuff where you try and it, it makes you look like an idiot on the power player you know, something like that where the owner and general manager come down and go, what the fuck are you guys doing? But that's the, that's the game. That's, that's the coaching that, you know, that's, that's the way it goes. You're, you're either a hero or you're a zero. And, you know, at the end of the day, it lays on you. It's not always on the players, but um, I just love the everyday um, routine of trying something new and trying to make kids better and not necessarily giving them shit, but they just don't know. Like, you know, when I first got here, I was working with NHLers every day and I'm like, why the fuck didn't he do that? But then you got to realize you got to put a, you got to take a step back and say, well, he's fucking 17 years old or he's 16 years old. Like you don't know what's happened to this kid, right? Like you don't know whether he's fucking made out with a girl the day before and he's all fired up about that. Or you don't know whether what's going on at home or he's, he hasn't eaten that day. Like there's just so many more intangibles that come into these kids because they just don't fucking know. Like you, you go to the rink and it's like, Hey, did you eat today? Well, not yet, but it's only five o'clock. And it's like, well, fuck, like, you know, they just don't know. So, you know, it, it was really fitting for me. And I felt like being in the NHL that I wanted to come back and really develop and, you know, try to get to the next level. Hopefully I can go to the American league next and then, you know, make the jump to the NHL. So I don't think there's a better place for me to develop as a coach. Uh, not only do I have a home and I, call this my second house in in Kelowna but um we're in a, it's in a pretty good development league with the WHL no it is it is for sure and that kind of leads into my next question obviously you kind of touched on it there about your next journey is that when the time is right to move to the American Hockey League and move to the NHL but where as a coach do you think you need how many years would you think you need in the in the WHL for that to kind of come to fruition well you probably like it's it's uh like my next my next my next challenge I want to be as a head coach. Like I want to, you know, you have to put in a couple of years as an assistant and um, you know, with my connections and then obviously with my family, like I, I wanted my son to go to an Academy and um, you know, I, I, I felt like if, if he was going to have every opportunity, he's, he's going to have his, his, his best option would be back here in Kelowna at an Academy. So, you know, that plays into it too. I'm just not going to pick up and leave my family and move everybody around again. It's like, We'll probably stay one more year through my son's draft year with the WHL. And then, you know, then it'll be time to move on to something else. But I really think you need a couple of years as an assistant and then potentially take over a team somewhere, whether it's uh, here or somewhere else. And then, you know, it's, it's all up to you. Like it's, you know, coaching such a, a weird, uh, it's, it's a weird job to get into because you, you're getting, you're getting hired to get fired. And nowadays coaches last three years. 
Yeah. Anywhere you go, they last three years. So you really got to be committed and ready to, to move every three, two, three years. Like, I mean, you don't, you look around, there's not many coaches in the NHL that last more than three years. Like if you can last five, that's a miracle. Unless you're, you know, you're set up and you have a really outstanding team every year, but you know, it's a, it's a unique position to get yourself into, but I'm telling you, like, I mean, you guys coach your kids and stuff. Like there is nothing like being on that bench when it's a tight game or, you know, like you're, 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 you're right there. And you know, that's why you play the game of hockey for that rush. And I haven't had that, not even on the golf course. And you're playing for a little bit of scratch. You can't get it back. It's, it's, no. it's so like it's on, incredible. And, and being on that, and on that bench, like when we were in big games and uh, actually I call, I call it the bug. I call yeah. it the coaching bug. It's yeah. yeah. So like when they fired, they fired Adam foot um, with about 20 games left. And our owner said, you guys are taking over. You're going to run the forwards fids. And the other guy, Chris, you're going to run the D and like running that bench. Yeah. Like it's just throwing you to the wolves. Right. Yeah. But running that bench, like you, you talk about 20 minutes going by, like it's a one minute phone call. Like you'd be fucking calling, you know, this and matching lines and, before you know it, the buzzer goes and it's like, holy fuck, like where'd that go? And then you come back into the dressing room and you got to re, you know, you got to reestablish what you want to do and your fucking brain's going. And, and, and after the game, it's just like, holy fuck, like where did that three hours go? But it's, uh, it's like, it's the, it's the biggest rush I've had since playing. And, um, I'm, I'm passionate about it and, you know, helping these kids is, is a, you know, I, I think, uh, a huge thing in, in these young men's lives. And, and even in town here, like everyone that comes and plays in Kelowna doesn't leave. Right. So these guys all get their jobs at the country club and the golf courses and the restaurants we all go to. So seeing all these kids around and, and them coming up and being like, Hey coach, how are you? Like that makes my day every day. And it's, yeah. uh, you know, everyone, at, even at home people, my mom, my neighbor calls me coach. My, you know, it's, it's kind of a different uh, side of it now, but I, I absolutely love it. And, that's my goal is to coach in the NHL and I don't, I don't want to be an assistant. Like I don't want to be the lifer assistant. I want to be a head coach. So that's what I'm shooting for. Nice. I think, I think, I think a lot of people um, don't get that, you know, what goes into being a coach or an assistant coach. I think they think when, you know, the buzzer, the clock says zero, it's just, it's over that, you know, it, it, for the player side of things. Yeah. And even nowadays, I mean, players are doing so much more video now after, but I mean, a coach is putting in, you know, 16 hour days, 18 hour days that the switch is not turned off even when they get home, right? They're at home watching video. They're, you know, watching, you know, a game against, you know, the opponent. It, it's just, it, 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 it's nonstop. And, you know, that's what kind of drives me a little nuts when I hear about oh just I could pick up coach and no problem or why isn't the coach why isn't Dave Pippett doing this or why isn't he doing that well go in, go in that guy's shoes for two minutes and and they'd have zero clue you know what I mean well, and it, zero clue. yeah it, it goes back to the the typical comment you know everybody's oh we need to learn how to play defense 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 and then when they instill it like I say it's it's the hammer's got to be laid down so it's stressful on the coach because they got a constant a game like last Wednesday against Toronto. You're constantly and you're telling your staff, we're reminding, 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 and keep repeating, repeating, repeating. And they're that's how they that's how you garner structure. That's how you get the structure going. So yeah, as a coach, you really gotta assume that when you tell somebody something, they forget. Like you have to assume mm -hmm. that they don't remember. And it, it goes for pro guys. I mean, I, I, when I played, it was the same thing. Like you'd always go and just reinsure yourself with a coach and say, so we're, we're doing this, right? Like you, you, you fucking doing it, doing it for 70 games, but you're still just double checking with a coach. And it is, man, it's, it's constantly something like I'll wake up at three in the morning and I'll, and I'll have an idea and I'll like, I, I, if you don't write it down, you fucking forget it. Right. So, you know, there'll be times where, you know, you're, you're my wife's like, what, what's going on? I'm like, oh, I just had to write something down. She's like, <laughs> in bed, like, but like, you know, you, you talk about Dave Tippett and uh, I had Dave Tippett and D uh, Dave Tippett's the, the smartest coach I've ever had. Like he's, he's, um, he's, he's great communicator. He's great with the X's and O's. He knows how to read a game. He knows when you have to change stuff. He's not stubborn, but like, 
to, to my, to where I think a head coach should be a head coach should honestly not worry about video. Shouldn't worry about any X and O's. He should tell the assistant coaches how, how, how they want to play. And then he should just worry about fucking making everybody happy talking to guys. And cause you got it nowadays. And like for a coach to have to do everything with, with Tippett, like he's got to do media. He's got to fucking talk to all the players and talk them off the ledges and make sure that they're going to be ready to go at the end of the day. How the fuck do you have any time for all the other shenanigans that comes along with being a head coach? Right. So there, there's a reason why those, all those head coaches in Canada get paid the most because like, you know, you're constantly under, you know, the, 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 the fucking pressure of everybody wanting to know everything. Yeah. And like, how do you focus on what, what's actually your job? Like, it's just fucking crazy to me that, you know, these poor guys have to deal with all that. Yeah. Um, we'll switch gears to the NHL and you kind of touched on it. What you were just talking about there about coaching and, and having the assistant coaches take on a bit more of a responsibility. And I know just recently John Tortorella talked about that, especially with the stuff that was going on with him and Pierre-Luc Dubois, where he said, I need, I need to do certain things with coaching, but I need my assistants do the X and O's parts of, of the coaching part of it. So talk about, um, the, uh, I, I want to talk about Lindy Ruff, who you who you had in Dallas, and he's off to a good start in, in New Jersey, and you know got Ty Smith there, and I know you play you got to coach against Ty Smith last year in the Dub. So we'll talk about Lindy as a coach, and then Ty Smith as a player. I know it's kind of a two part question, but uh, they're both both having a good start to the NHL season. Yeah, Lindy Lindy was actually a really good coach. He was uh, a guy that made it fun to come to the rink every day. He was. Um, he was more uh, on the offensive side of, of the puck. Like he was really a, we were a running gun team. Like I think our, our line as a fourth line where we were getting like 13, 14, 12 goals, each, each one of us every year for the, those two year, two and a half years that he, I was with him. And um, he, he was, at, everything was like, get the puck and, and just go where, um, you know, most coaches are, are the third and fourth line. They just want you to shut, shut, shut teams down and, Lindy was a guy that it didn't matter who, who, who you were. He wanted everybody to play the same way. Fourth man joining on the weak side with the D man. Um, but a very fair coach, very honest. Like I remember a couple of times walking out to my truck and he was behind me and, you know, we'd go to part ways. He'd go to the park eight. I'd go to the wives room and he'd, he'd look at you and he'd say, kids, I need more. I need more out of you. You got to get these guys going. Like he'd be fucking very honest. Right. Like, so you appreciated that. And I always, I always appreciated. I had really good coaches uh, in the NHL with uh, Barry Trotz, Dave Tippett, uh, Lindy Ruff, Glenn Gullison. Those guys just, they didn't, they didn't bullshit you. They just told you straight up, which I think that's how it should be. And that's one thing that I always respected about Lindy was he was a straight shooter. When you had a really good game, he was the first guy to tell you, but he would always tell you, don't fall in love with yourself because it could be a whole different game next game. But if you were shit, he would tell you straight up. So you, you, you had a chip on your shoulder going into the next game and you knew you had to be a little bit better. Dave Tippett, the same way. I, I remember Dave Tippett, he'd, he'd walk by me in the hallway and say, Fids, your fucking line is going so good. Walk by again, Fids, your line's going great. Fucking don't change a thing. But then he'd tell you, if you walk by and your line was playing like shit, he'd be like, I need more out of your line. you got to get those two guys going. Get those two guys going. And I'm going to play the shit out of you. But you knew, you knew where you were, where, you know, I had a couple coaches in the minors that fucking would never talk to you. You're a young guy. They, you just, you know, you just kept working hard and, you know, sometimes you need a kick in the ass or sometimes you need a little pick me up and gives you a little more confidence. So, you know, as a coach now, that's how I am. I'm, you know, I, I watch this thing with, with torts and it's just like good for torts. Like he treats yeah. every fucking guy the same. I guarantee he treats every guy on that team. He said it. He like, said he treats every there's accountability on that right? team. So like yeah, you guys saw like they're 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 naming it the shift, this kid's shift. Like I mean, it doesn't matter how much money you make and you play like that for torts, you ain't fucking playing. No. So like, you know, and and in this kid's case, like I don't know the story behind it, but you know, like we don't know the full story, whether that we know the full story or we don't, like. It's up yeah. to him. If he wants to play more and he wants to play on a regular basis, whether he makes five million or seven fifty, you gotta fucking bring it. That's your job. And I respect the shit out of Torts. I, I would, I would fucking play for Torts. I would if I would like. All these guys are worried about going to free agency and staying there or playing there. Like, 
that's what you want out of a coach. You would, you don't, you'd rather that than a coach just tell you a bunch of bullshit. And I, I think these young guys can learn from this, that if a coach is honest with you in five or six years, when you have a coach that isn't honest with you, you're going to look back at it and be like, fuck, I wish I had torts. I know he's a fucking cunt and he, he's hard on me. Well, at least he told me exactly where I was. Yeah. Duclair said that just recently too. Like when he left Columbus, he said what Torch said was true. Right. So about my game. So. Would you, let me ask you a question, Fids. Would you ever put like, and, and I, I understand Dubois came out and said, you know, everybody's judging me on this one video. And, you know, he, he kind of said that that wasn't his best, his best look, but would you ever have a shift like that? In your life, would you ever? Cameras are on. You get the cameras. You're quitting on the boys. You're, you're quitting you're on the pro guys. Hockey team, exactly. You're you're a pro hockey player. You're out there for you and your your teammates. You're and would you ever have a shift like that? Oh, you know what? It's funny you say that because, like, now watching a bunch of this hockey, like, I always I always grab a guy and I'll be like. Is that, is that how, I wonder how I look like I, I watch, uh, Antoine Roussel, right. For instance, he, he, he was, he's a really good friend of mine. He was kind of a young guy. He lived with me when he was in Dallas and, you know, I, I kind of took him under my wing and I look at him and I think, I hope that's how I looked when I played. Like, I know I was a hustler and, you know, I, I, you know, you talk to fans and they're like, Oh, we just love that. You never take a shift off. And then you think of this guy, like what, like, I always went into games thinking, okay, I can control one thing and that's my effort. I'm not the most skilled guy. I'm not, you know, I, I got to be good at what I'm good at my skill level. I got to, you know, keep it simple, but there's one thing that you can always control and that's your effort, right? Wh- yeah. Whether you can, comp- that, that's competing or whether that's skating as fast as you can and not getting on the four check. That's one thing you could control. And, and I've, I've seen it on TV a couple of times and, and these uh, media guys are saying like, he, he got himself into this mess because he, he let, like, if, if you're in a dressing room and you're looking to the guy beside you and the other guy beside you, if you're not giving it your best, you're fucking letting those guys down more than you're yeah. letting yourself down. Yeah. And that's how I always went into every game was like, okay, I'm playing for my team, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to play how I play. And that's balls to the wall for if I last 35 seconds, I'll, I'll go out there for 35 seconds. If I last 20 seconds, I'll, I'll go out balls to the wall 20 seconds. And I'm never, ever going to get judged for my effort. And I think if more young kids take that into, into you know, in, and have that as a value, that they're going to be that much better of a player. And, and I don't know if that'll ever change for this kid, because if you can do that, like, was he trying to get his, himself shipped out of there? So he was like, well, fuck, I'm, hey. my, my agent told me to just fuck the dog here for the next couple games and they'll ship me out of here maybe that was the case but he's still embarrassed he's 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 wearing a name on the back of his jersey and wearing a logo on the front like what are you representing and as a gm i don't know i don't know for me i don't know if i'm trading for a guy like that because soon as something gets fucking hard is he going to do the same thing to winnipeg you know or is this coach is this coach going to coach him differently because he's afraid well it's already winnipeg you know, it's not the greatest place to come to. I don't want to fucking spook this guy out of here. So is is Maurice going to coach this kid differently, thinking, "Well, I can't be too hard on him, or he's going to fucking turn his back on me and make me look like an idiot." Like, you know, I, I, I said the same thing when I saw that. I was like, "This guy has quit on his team, and he wants out, and he's going to do whatever it takes to get out." That's yeah. that's my opinion, and that's what I saw from that one ship. I and said it, that last like. Yeah, and you 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 nailed it. You, how do you pick that guy up? I don't care if he's skilled or or you know supposedly has the talent to do this and that. That's what I'm judging you on. I'm judging you on that one ship. Sorry. Well, and now he's put a huge target on his back. Yeah. Right. Because now everyone's going to be watching him and being like, okay, well, does he work? Yeah. You know. So now he's going to another team, and and trust me. I was told this at a young age in my, in my pro career. Hey, once you start getting traded, it's fucking game on. Don't unpack. Because <laughs> yeah. once you get traded once, you're fucking getting traded probably within two years again. Just how it works, I guess, right? 
Yeah. And I mean, I, I was lucky to only, you know, basically play in three, three, three different places. I had a short stint in Jersey, but I got, but it's like, I, I don't know how many guys like that, that get traded and it's like, Oh fuck, I, you know, I'm going to get an opportunity. Um, you know, but they get traded the year, a year later. Like, it's like all of a sudden everyone's starting to figure out, like if you're in an organization for a long time, you know, you come to free agency, it's like, well, why the, why this guy's been there for six years. Why is that? Well, because he brings it every game. He doesn't let his teammates down and he doesn't make his coach look like an idiot. Yeah. Probably a pretty good indication. We should sign this guy. Yeah. For this guy, there's red flags all over the place for him now because, you know, he's, he's, and, 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 and I think Torts probably is, you know, if not the best coach in the league, he's, he's definitely top three, uh, in, in the league. Like he always gets everything out of his teams. He's won championships. Um, you know, he keeps getting jobs everywhere. He's honest. He's two Jack Adams. Should've yeah. I mean, he's, he's just, he's a good coach and there's a reason why. And it's because he's an honest guy that just demands a lot out of his players, which I don't think it should be any other way. Do you, do you think with Pierre-Luc Dubois, his dad being an assistant coach with the Manitoba Moose, that's that's kind of why they took a flyer on him there? Like, Yeah, it doesn't hurt. I mean, they, you know, they've, they, there, there has to be some kind of, they're, they're, the hockey world's small, right? There's always somebody that knows knows this and is probably, you know, feeling a, or feeling the fire a little bit. Like, trust me, he's not like this. He wants out of there. Maybe we should look into this. Everybody wants a top centerman that's 22 years old and that could put up 60 points a year. Like, you know, they, they can, they can deal with the, 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 you know, the, the faults that the kid has, but they need a guy that can score goals and and put points up on the board. So they're willing to take those chances, but it probably has a lot to do with his dad has a little bit of influence in the organization and, um, you know, that it definitely doesn't hurt any. Yeah. So shift gears coming to Edmonton, and I think Dave Tippett would love to have you right now as his third line center or fourth line center. It's a bit of a, <laughs> a hot topic here in Edmonton, but um, I guess like two different style kind of players. Obviously, like talked about Kyle Turris and, and Jujar Kara. You know, every every time Jujar Kara is a polarizing person, player here in Edmonton, where you know I think fans want a lot more out of him and. Last night, his effort wasn't that really that great in Winnipeg. But uh, thoughts on those two guys, what you see, obviously, Tourists is was a skilled top six player, but maybe he's more of a bottom six player now. But Yeah, well, there, there's another guy, right? Like, uh, I played with Kyle, and he's a really skilled guy, got a great shot. He's really good on um, on face-offs. He's, the, you know, been a power play guy. So, you know, things didn't work out in Nashville. And, you know, he, get, he, get, he gets bought out, and now they've – they brought him into Edmonton to kind of fill that, that third line role as a centerman. And I thought he did a pretty good job the first two or three games. Like he was blocking shots and he was, you know, taking big faceoffs. and <clears throat> you got to give him credit. He's, he's trying his best to, to fill that role and change his style to stay in the league a little bit longer. So um, I think he overall, he's done a pretty good job, but you know, it, it takes time. It takes time to, to switch your role over to all of a sudden you're cheating offense. And now all of a sudden, Hey, you got to stay under, under on the D side on these guys. Like it, it's going to take a little bit of time with him to, to kind of accept and find that role. Um, but at the same time, you need, you need those energy guys on the wall that can win those puck, those puck wall battles and, you know, possess pucks down low to, to kind of grind away at these top lines that he's going to be playing against, because that's what the NHL is about. Yeah. Second line comes out, you put your third line out. You know, the third line comes out, you put your first line out. Like that's just that's just the way that that league goes. But he's got to accept that you know he's got to maybe dig in a little bit deeper, and and then if if he, they can find a way to get him you know producing a little bit, that will take the pressure off of uh, McDavid and and Drysital and their top end guys. And then you look at James Neal, like he's been out, he hasn't played a whole bunch. So like they need, they need him for that secondary scoring punch where he needs to be a physical factor. And he, he's not, he's got to punch in a little bit on, uh, on the offensive side. He missed that little backhand there, empty net in Winnipeg a couple of nights ago where, you know, they need those goals to, to be successful. But I think my biggest concern with Edmonton is the back end. I don't know what you guys think, but you know, they, they, I think they are a little bit ahead of where they think they should be. And they got a young decor. They got, you know, some, some guys that, uh, that with, with Barry, like he's just not a defensive defenseman. He's an offensive, he's an offensive defenseman. So, you know, they got to find a way to win those puck battles and, and, and create those layers that Dave Tippett likes. And, 
you know, they talk about defense, 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 but it takes time. Like it's, yeah. it's going to take time for them to, to change that culture over. And, um, you know, they got to figure it out in the room and, and try to find a happy medium between run and gun and, you know, playing it just a defensive game. You got to try to find offense off defense. And, you know, they've kind of been inconsistent with that. So fuck, I hope they can get it going because now I, I'm not part of an NHL team. Edmonton's always been my favorite team and you try to watch them and, all my neighbors are all all Albertans, right? And I'll be pulling out of my driveway and my one neighbor drives by. He's from St. Albert and he just looks at me and he goes, I'm fucking done. I'm done with them. I'm, I'm, I'm taking this sticker off the back of my window. It's I'm fucking done. Yeah. They're in my gambling penalty box. Yeah. I, I fucking... Well, what's your thoughts on Tyson Berry then of his of his play so far? Like he's obviously been moved off that top power play unit, but what are you seeing? You played the game at the highest level, so you would know better than anyone, right? You know what? Like I I know Tyson. He's a really good offensive mind, but it's tough because, and it doesn't matter what level you're at, is you're you're you you have Drysital and you have McDavid on your power play. So like instead of him just pulling the puck to the middle on the power play and fucking letting a shot go he's got in the back of his mind okay i gotta get it to one of these two guys or they're gonna be fucking mad at me right so like edmonton's got to get over the fact that they have Connor mcdavid and dry settle like it's it takes everybody there's five guys on the power play you it just can't run through them like those guys are going to be the most marked out of anyone on the ice so, so there's two other guys minus barry so you got to figure a way out. Like you look at you look at Ovechkin and, and the and the Capitals. Well, Ovechkin scores forty plus goals a year, and a lot of them come off the power play. But if he's covered, they go somewhere else. They look at a different weapon, and then if they cheat over to Ovechkin or maybe they leave him open, he gets one shot and it's in the back of the net. So the Oilers got to find a way. Like you can't have two guys that are top in scoring and not make the playoffs. Yeah, it's an you got to have a different mindset where. You know, it's, I, I like when Dreisaitl and, and uh, McDavid are separated because it's, you're looking at the lineup and you're like, okay, well now we got to manage two lines instead of just one. Right. So like, I think uh, Tippett's splitting them up. I think that's a smart move because then they're two different threats. You just have to get, you got to get some chemistry with their wingers so they can find some, some chemistry with these guys and, and you'll have two lines firing. And then this back end has just been, I think the back end is holding them back. Yeah, well, I've I've gone as far as saying, and you know, I think that in order to flip this whole thing around, getting that number one solid twenty six to thirty minute guy on the back end, you got to trade one of the big two. But yeah. I mean, obviously, you're not financially or you know economically, it doesn't make any sense. But I mean, if you really want to change this team around, one you gotta you're gonna get a solid you know, a number one B and then return for either, you know, but. Like well, and they thought Larson trading Hall for Larson. I think they thought that, and I, I like Larson. Like I, I'm, yeah, he does a lot of good things. Like obviously he's got the, you know, he's got the responsibility now of, well, I was traded for Taylor Hall and everybody's not happy with that. So everyone's got to, you know, get over the dagger in his back. But I think Larson's fine. I think they just need to find a couple you know, like, like sitting Chris Russell out, like this guy's a heart and soul guy. Like you, you got to find another guy like that, that can, you know, maybe a little bit bigger in my opinion, but you got to find another guy that a veteran guy that, you know, can suck those minutes up and, and just play defense. Support for too much is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over the technology developments to provide you the best tools for grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code 2 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. <laughs> So what are your thoughts so far on the Canadian division that you've, that you've seen so far? It, I know it's very early, but, uh, you know, some teams haven't played a lot of games, but what do you think so far? I've loved it. Like I love, um, you know, everybody thought the time zones would be, a, you know, a bit of a challenge, but I've, I've loved it. Like I love watching, you know, Calgary against Ottawa and, you know, Calgary against the, 
the the Habs and you know Canada or um, Oilers against Toronto. Like I think it's great for hockey. Like I really do. I think the hockey's been a little bit sloppy, but um, you know there's no exhibition games and trust me, those seven eight exhibition games really do help. Like it's you're coming out of summer, you haven't skated a whole bunch, and especially with these guys, it was a quick turnaround from the bubble. And but overall, I've 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 really liked the. You know, you, you'd like to see fans in the building because I think that would just add that much more to the atmosphere and that. But I'd love to see, I'd love to see the, you know, I, I don't even watch the American games. Like it's like, it's the, you know, Canadian hockey league now all over. It is. Yeah. And, I, and I'm loving it because, you know, you, there's, there's different games on and you're seeing all these, uh, these teams. Um, I really like Toronto. I think Toronto's done a really good job. I think, uh, you know, they don't, uh, they, they struggled at the beginning to, a bit but they've really started to figure it out and you know good power play and you know a lot of possession time which uh, helps them because they're a skilled team um i like i like calgary's calgary's team i i don't think calgary's kind of you know hit their stride yet but um i really think uh i think calgary's got a, got a decent team i think they, they, they haven't accomplished what they want to but I think Ottawa is probably going to be a, a team that's really going to struggle down on the stretcher just because they're young. They make a lot of mistakes and they got to learn from it. Uh, Habs, the, the Montreal, I think, has by far been the, the best uh, Canadian team. Like they play hard, they play fast. They got, uh, you know, they've, they've added way more size. Like last year, they were really small up the middle and I think they've added some size. And obviously, you got Carey Price, so you're going to be competing in most games. And then uh, Winnipeg, I've liked Winnipeg's game. Like, I think Winnipeg, uh, you know, they got some big heavy guys with some skill and now they're going to add this, this question mark, whether he's going to be an impact or not. Like, um, I, I don't, I, I like lining. I don't know why. Like, I don't know. What, what, what's the scoop with that? Is, is he, is he, was he wanting out of there too? He, well, he never really fully came out, Fids. It was more his agent that came out before yeah. the season started and said that I think would, both sides would benefit from changing markets, changing yeah. the scenery. So, but you know, when he showed up to camp, he said, I'm here, aren't I? And then Paul Maurice for his credit said he showed up in, in great shape and good attitude and all that. Yeah. So well, yeah, did he get a Gordy Howe his first game? Yeah. Well, he had, he had a, he had a fight one. He had two goals or yeah. and, and like two assists or something his first yeah. night. Right. And then yeah, he, I like, I like Winnipeg's game and like, I do all these coaching clinics now. And I'm really impressed with Paul Maurice. Like he, he's, uh, he, you could tell they're very well coached and he's got great philosophies and I know he's a really good communicator and a very, uh, uh, popular guy amongst the players. So, you know, I, I like, I like seeing that because, you know, he's, he's kind of evolved into a, a player's coach before. I don't think he was the greatest communicator, but he's, he's changed his ways. Yeah. Which most, which most coaches should by now because that's the way these kids are now but i love watching winnipeg like i i like everything about them they play fast they're you know they got they got a, they got good special teams and i i think i think winnipeg will be a team that uh, you're gonna have to watch out for down the stretch yeah so talk about the schedule the baseball style schedule we're seeing like as a player when you played that schedule, you know, from what a lot of people are saying was it was tough. It, it happened for so many years. But do you think what we're seeing now we'll see next year and the years going forward or is just kind of a one-off? I think it's smart. Like, I think it's uh, – I think it builds a little bit more uh, competitiveness between the teams. Like, I think there's – it's more of a playoff style. When you play – like, even uh, last night when um, – who shot a puck at uh, – Muzzin shot a puck at Kachuk, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. You just, you just, you can't wait for them to play again because you know what's going to happen. There's, you're going, there's going to be a buzz for the game, right? And you know, like playing like one night in Arizona and the next night in 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 um, Anaheim you know, or whatever, yeah. Nashville or wherever, you forget what happened, right? Like you, you're like, oh fuck, that guy did this to me, but you don't play him for another. 15 games and then by that time he's he's hurt or he's traded or you don't even really get to get any revenge on him but these games are they're, they're they've added a little bit of a playoff atmosphere without even being in the playoffs and i think that's really good for the game because that's what the fans want to see they don't they don't want to see you know games that don't mean anything and i feel that even though these games are early there's these guys are still playing because the night before like you've seen these teams get walloped and then the next game, you know, they're right back in, in winning games the next night. So, and as a player, 
I think it's really good because, you know, you can go to you know, go back to the hotel and have a good night's sleep instead of getting on a plane and traveling to, you know, get somewhere at two in the morning and you're fucking bag tired and got to get up and play the next night where you're getting a good sleep. So it's going to bring more energy from the players too, because they're going to get that much more rest. And, you know, it's nice to get in a city and, you know, have four or five days there to kind of set up shop and, you know, get your rest and, and, and build those little rivalries that are going on. So I've, I've really liked it. Like I, I would even mind seeing three games. Like I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing it. Like some of the series are three, and they were saying, like Jamie McLennan was saying today, he's like, man, like some of these series are three games. How great it would have been to get that third game versus Toronto Calgary tonight. Yeah. Well, yeah. Can that you imagine if there were fans oh, in the yeah. building last night? That, that's the first thing I looked at. I'm like, do these guys play again tomorrow? Like I would have fucking yeah. Bummed. Some why, of them. Why did why did Kachuk go f- just come unglued? Like I get, what? like he went after him. Like cool. I like on the ice was cool, but. He came unfucking glued into the dressing like he was like Albert Bell fucking smashed because the fucking a, they baseball lost. bag around. Well, he it's in bad, their ring. He played bad last night, so his team there. I'm fucking dying. Like I would be oh, laughing yeah. so hard. Like the on ice is is fine. Like I don't mind him doing that on the ice, but him coming off like he was like fucking <laughs> breaking shit. I was like, I would be crying if I'm a teammate. Like, buddy. Buddy, I did that in my living room because Mitch Marner got the winning goal and cost me my puck line. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. No, that was money line. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it was interesting, but yeah, they don't think they play until mid February. So we'll see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, it's, um, so one, one more, we'll, I, I, one more for me and, and talk about uh, a former teammate of yours. And I know listen to, I listened to missing curfew podcast and Upshaw was talking about uh, Keith Yandel situation and that you reached out to him to try to figure out what was going on. But uh, you know, and I'll say this, I don't know him, but Petro played with him and, and he lived at his house in Boston when there was that hurricane in Florida a few years back and Yandel put it, took as many teammates in as possible, but I don't know if you want to comment on that, like at the situation there, but just him as a person and a teammate when you guys. Yeah, you know what, Keith, uh, my first year in Phoenix, my first two years in Phoenix, we were, uh, we were roommates on the road <laughs> and he's just an ultimate teammate. Like he's literally the best teammate I had. Like there's not one person I've ever heard say a bad thing about Keith Yandel. He's the funniest. He's a, he's a mass tart, right? Like he's, got that accent and everything, <laughs> everything that comes out of his mouth is fucking hilarious. Like they eventually split us up because we weren't sleeping. Like we were constantly fucking pranking everyone's room. And, you know, we were sending fucking food or, or filling out the coaches, uh, room service things for the morning. And there'd be, you know, 10 trays of food, go to our assistant coach's room at 1200 bucks. And we, you know, we just, we just pay it off and, and, you know, the coach would be mad at the rink and who the fuck ordered all this? We'd order like 10 breakfast meals to a coach's room on the little thing on the door. Right. He was just, it was constantly, it never stopped. Like it was fucking so bad that the last year we were heading into playoffs and they're like, you guys are not rooming together. And, and we didn't even have to, because we had enough games to have our own rooms, but it was just such entertainment for each other that we would, we would, uh, we'd get in our room and it'd just be constant laughing. We'd making phone calls and pranks and Paul Bizonette would always come over to our room for ice cream and we'd, uh, he'd fall asleep and we'd fucking make him a bed in the hallway and put him to bed out and he'd wake up in the hallway. And you know, the next morning he'd be like, fuck, I woke up in the hallway and we'd be looking at each other like, fuck, I don't know. I have no idea. Might've gave him some, some medication, but, um, he, uh, he's just, he's an ultimate teammate. He, he's a guy that cares about his team. He plays hard. Like he's, he's not the most offensive guy, which, you know, a guy that puts up 65 points as a D man doesn't have to be, Yeah. Right. but he competes. He, uh, you know, he, there's a reason why he's made all this money and he's, he's, you know, one of those offensive D men that every team wants. And I don't know what happened. I think, I think maybe they were just trying to send a message to the whole group that nobody's safe here. And, you know, they had some time on their hands to, to, uh, you know, play with, with, you know, the game's not starting. So they, they thought they'd send a message to the group and they probably knew, knew, knew in their minds that they weren't going to sit them out, but I think they were just trying to send a message to the whole group because they haven't sat them out yet. Yeah. You know, with the Ironman streak, I mean, 
it, it's a pretty risky move because, you know, they have a veteran coach. They have a couple ex-players that Keith's played with on their coaching staff. You know, that's a pretty tough thing to throw at your room as management and say, hey, deal with this guy. We're going to pretend to sit him out for his uh, Ironman streak. You guys deal with it. You know, as a coach, if an assistant coach, if I've played with the guy, like you're looking at that, like that could really ruin the relationship. But I think Keith handled it as a real pro and never went in the media and slammed anybody. He just went about his business and, you know, he's had a pretty good start at the beginning of the season. Yeah. So talk about how like that Ironman streak means as a player though, like for, you know, take us into the mindset of, you know, NHL players and what that means to, to play and have that streak. Well, for one, it's a big check at the end of the year when you play all 82 games most of the time <laughs> in your contract. So that's one of them. But, I mean, to play all that, he, I think he played 11 straight seasons or something like that, they said. Yeah. yeah. 11 or 8? Uh, let me check here. What you talk and I can look it but, up. But, I mean, it's just yeah. it's crazy. Like, you know, there's there's to, to go throughout that, you know, your whole career. And, there's and I mean, he's an offensive D-man where they're focusing on him every night. Their forwards are focusing every night night to try to kill their most offensive guy on the back end and for him to be able to play that long and that many games in a row I think is nothing short of a fucking miracle because you know there's some pretty big boys going after these d-men and to take a beating like that every night as an offensive guy he's he's done a pretty good job and and the numbers he's put up is you know phenomenal I mean he's a 65 75 point guy every season and um you know, it's not an easy task to, 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 to go after because there's always something. I mean, you're, you're well, he even broke his season. Yeah. yeah like he's busted his teeth up broke his jaws and, yeah. you know, he's fought through that so that for them to go after him and say, well, we're going to take that away from you. It's uh, I think it's a little bit disrespectful, especially for a guy that means so much to their room. Yeah. Yeah. And might get galvanize that group, right? They're off to a great start three and oh, you know, a little, yeah. maybe a little adversity. But who knows? Maybe it motivated them too. Maybe it yeah. did, you know, it maybe, you know, woke all their, their leadership up and, and said, listen, we got to shove this up the management's ass. And maybe that's what they're playing. They're playing. It's you guys against us and you guys prove us wrong. And, you know, I just, with a veteran coach and, you know, some ex players on the bench, I think uh, as coaches, I think it put them in a really tough position, but I, yeah. I think, well, Florida's handled it pretty well. Yeah. All right, uh, Bandy, Rupper, I don't know. Do you guys want to add anything in? We're pretty long here, so we'll probably finish off that like that. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Great catching up with you. All the best. Good luck. go a little bit crazy sometimes here yeah, but now i don't stay near as long i'm a little bit steady but still a little bit rolling stone i'm a little bit heaven but still a little bit flesh and bone little foul little don't know where i am i'm a little bit holy water but still a little bit burning Just like me I'm a 